What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Hard Money Podcast. I'm Chris Casella here, as always, with Grant Smith. And together, we run a private lending business called Sharper Capital Partners out here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Grant, how's it going? Going well, Chris. Happy to be here, as always. In this episode, we are going to be answering the question, are hard money loans right for you, specifically as an investor? So a, a note investor putting their capital into a deal. Um, jumping right into it, you know, who invests in hard money loans? Typically, when we think of people who are going to be deploying capital into an alternative asset class, generally they are one of two things. They're either high income or high net worth. So we'll start with high income. Um, typically, an investor who is going to be deploying capital, um, they're going to have a substantial pool of discretionary income that they can go and deploy. Um, it's a great midterm wealth strategy if you're a high income person to go out and deploy it into real estate because not only do you get the long term benefits of being able to reinvest your interest on an annual or really it compounds just as fast as your deals close, but you're also going to get the benefit of the passive cash flow depending on how you structure your loans in the meantime. Meaning, if the note that you write is going to be paying monthly interest, well, you're going to be able to collect monthly checks. And I think that's something that can't really be said for most other types of asset classes. Um, specifically, when we think of equities, when we think of stuff on the stock market, which is what probably most people are exposed to, the only type of asset that you could really go out and acquire in that space that would provide something similar would be like a bond per se. But bonds, you know, they're depending on how they're structured, they might not pay out on a monthly basis. Um, whereas if you're a high income individual, you can, you can set those terms yourself, which is something we talked about in our prior episode. Um, and then the, the benefit there as a high income individual is it's, it's not completely passive, but it's a lot less involved than if you were going to go out and take projects out on your own. Because let's face it, if you're a high income individual, you're probably pouring a ton of work into your job. Yeah, these are people who might have a job, you know, maybe they're an attorney, a doctor, maybe they work in tech. But to your point, there's somebody who's earning a high income every year, which means that they're probably working pretty hard and don't have a ton of time to invest in other things. So I, I think that's a great point. And to your point as well, it's a great midterm wealth strategy because Yes, you're earning, and we'll dive into to the rates and everything, you know, the, the earning potential, but yes, you might be earning 10% on each loan, but you can turn those loans to maybe three times a year, depending on how efficient the rehabbers and the company that you're investing with, you know, turns their money. Big time. The next group that we wanted to talk about in terms of people who really seem to be taking on the most action in terms of, or, or who really stands to benefit the most from these investment opportunities are high net worth individuals. And <clears throat> truth to be told, you know, I'm not going to come out here and say I'm Jeff Bezos or anything, but that's the background that I come from. I had a pool of capital that um, I was able to pull a line of credit against and then deploy those funds at a higher interest rate than I was borrowing at. So the, the numbers there, right? Currently, um, when I first started, actually, the, the federal funds rate that I was borrowing, I was borrowing at a slight markup to the federal funds rate which um, I think my ba my bank was marking me up a half or a quarter of a percent. So I was borrowing money at 1.25% originally. That's now up to 2.75%. And we've been lending on, like historically we're lending on deals at around 12, 13%. So my spread is between the two of those. And that worked, that worked well for me. 
I mean, it, um, that's, it's what got me excited and got me moving because, you know, I'm earning money on basically no capital up front on my own. I'm just, I'm borrowing money and redeploying at a higher rate. And a lot of high net worth individuals have the same opportunity. And if you don't have a line of credit already, but you're a high net worth individual, you can pretty much go to any bank that you're, you're working with the, the benefit of, of you know, kind of using the portfolio managers at a bank is that they will allow you to kind of pull a line of credit against yourself like that. Um, and so if you're not currently doing that, that's something you could definitely look into. And then the other, the other big benefit to high net worth individuals is, um, if you're a high net worth individual, you know, you might have other lifestyle expenses that you could be running through your business. So setting up an LLC where you're deploying these funds out and the earnings from that business, um, you can, you can pay with pre-tax dollars to cover your lifestyle expenses, some of them that you're running through. If you're running out of your home office, um, you know, there's there's tax benefits there. I mean, I'm, I'm no tax account or CPA. Please consult with them, but there's opportunity there. And, and that's another big reason why node investors are often high net worth individuals because one, it is so passive. Two, you have a lot of tax advantages um, in, in, in terms of running your lifestyle expenses through your business that way. Without a doubt. Yeah. The third person that we typically think of when we think of who invests in hard money loans is the tax advantage investment capital. So this is going to be the self-directed IRA. We touched on this person in the last episode where uh, we were discussing it's it's typically somebody who has worked hard, built up a decent amount of savings in their uh, taxable investment account, right? The Roth IRA. And now they're looking to deploy the funds and maybe turn it again two, three times a year and get a little bit of a higher rate of return and get all the tax benefits. Um, now, when I think of the typical S&P return and I think of the the lifetime return of the S&P, I just say 10%. In our notes here, you have a very specific number. So I'm going to let you cover this and, <laughs> and kind of talk about what you're thinking of when you think about comparing the returns of investing in hard money loans from your self-directed IRA compared to the overall return of the S&P over time. Yeah. Um, I think it's, and, and you mentioned earlier, uh, I think you said taxable investment account, but really we're talking about tax advantage accounts. Yeah. Tax just, deferred. Just tax, yeah. yeah. So tax deferred. So yeah. um, if you don't know a lot about uh, Roth IRAs or traditional IRAs or Roth 401ks and traditional 401ks, all that stuff, there's a lot of great resources out there. Um, whether you're going to in any personal finance website, We'll have a lot of resources there for you to understand. But essentially what's going on in these accounts is you have one of two options. You can either elect to take and pay taxes on the money now and then never pay taxes on them again, or you can uh, not pay taxes on that money now and then pay taxes on them in the future when you inevitably are forced to take distributions on that pool of capital. For the sake of this piece, no reason to get too crazy far into it. But uh, here's why here's why this investment strategy, investing in notes, is so compelling for investors um, that that are using their tax advantage dollars. So, you know, we come from the background of you know finance majors from the University of Cincinnati. So we spend a lot of time looking at just the the, the bread and butter type of investments, whether it's stocks or bonds, and you know those those do have a place in your portfolio. I, I believe that. Um, I just believe that these alternative options such as note investing does as well. And here's why, because the historic rate of return of the S and P 500. And again, I'm, I'm using 
data that doesn't take into effect any of the tax implications. Um, so we're looking dollar for dollar, right? There's no tax implications here. But historically, the rate of return on the S&P 500, you know, that the, the a, a pool of the largest 500 companies in the United States is around 9.96971%. And the reason why I say that so specifically <laughs> is because that number is actually, um, depending on what horizon you look over, um, it could be a little bit higher, it could be a little bit lower, but we're looking over like the lifetime. So we're starting at the early 1900s, ending up in 2018. Um, that's, that's roughly what that number was running at. Now, we pay our note investors 10%. And I think that, you know, a lot of people might say, well, why would I go with this alternative strategy if I could just get this return in the market? That's a great question. Um, For me personally, the big reason why people go is because you're having different exposure to different types of asset classes, right? You're going to go out there and you're going to get a collateral-based loan that if something goes wrong in your project and it's underwritten well, you know for a fact you're not going to lose your shorts. And if it's underwritten truly well, then you should actually be making more money going through the foreclosure process. Um, in, in addition to that, if you are um, if you're investing these, if you're investing in these notes and you're doing it with your tax advantage dollars, the compound rate at 10%, which it, I don't know if you've ever gotten out of compound interest calculator. Something that I frequently do is just throw different numbers in there and see, okay, what is $50,000 invested every year um, times, you know, with 10% cumulative annual compound growth? What does that look like for, you know, after 40 years? And the number is always something astronomical. And the reason why I get, get excited about this is because when it comes to note investing, you know your return. With the S&P 500, the future is never certain. There are periods in your investment horizon where, specifically in equities, the market is not going to work in your favor. It could be a 10-year timeline, but historically, over any 20-year timeline, the S&P 500 has always gone up in value. Now, I don't know about you, but I would much rather know that I'm going to compound my wealth by 10% per year and then be slighted when 20 years go by and I'm just now getting back to above where I was before. And don't get me wrong, that was those are great depression numbers and 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 things like that, but you know, to there's there's a certain magic that happens when you know um you know how your portfolio is going to be growing through a period of time. And that's when you can realize true wealth because or or what I call wealth in real time. Because when you're investing in the S&P 500 and you know it's going to continue to go up and you'll be rich one day or you'll be wealthy one day. When you're actually investing in notes and your portfolio goes up by 10%, every single year you can realize that wealth because the results are there. You know what you're getting. Um and and there's a lot of magic to that. I don't I don't know if you have anything you want to add on to the tax advantage piece there, but it gets me really excited for people who want to put their money to work because when you're investing outside of these tax advantage accounts, you are going to be exposed to interest, to, uh, you know, um, ordinary income tax, which, you know, eats up a lot of your after-tax return. But when you're investing your tax advantage dollars, your after-tax return is exactly that of the note, which is super strong, super strong. It gets me jacked up just hearing you talk about it, to be honest with you. And and 
it's really exciting to think about. I think a really, you know, the point that stands out to me is, especially with people in our generation, you know, we're both in our 20s and there's been this whole crypto phase going on and there's been a lot of hype around NFTs, around basically things that offer to provide a get-rich-quick scheme. And I don't know enough to knock on the to knock on those, but all I know is that in the past, there have been these get-rich-quick schemes too. And I think of the dot-com bubble in 2001 and you know the, the year 2000, and those have always come crashing down. So they provide really high highs for a short period of time. They're really enticing for people. They're really exciting. But as you mentioned, the best way to actually grow your wealth in the proven way, you know, if you just look at someone like Warren Buffett, is to continually invest in something, you know, have a good strategy, implement the strategy year in, year out, and maybe you realize those gains from that compound interest table a little bit later in your life, but you can bet that it's going to be there once that time comes, right? And you know exactly what's going to happen in the interim every single year to your point. So I just think when I think about building wealth, I think about building it slowly, but surely. And that surely piece is really important to me. And this is where it gets me really excited thinking about this kind of investment in hard money loans, because you have an asset that's backed by, you know, an asset backed loan that covers your downside. You have all these documents in place to make sure that in the very worst case scenario, you, you know, your butt and everybody else's butt involved is covered and you know, you're getting 10% and you're turning that 10%, you know, like I keep on saying two to three times a year in the best case. So it's really exciting. And yeah, I think you covered it well. I definitely can't say it any better than you can. I just wanted to bring in that perspective as well. Big time. I, one of the, and, and, I, and I'll, I just want to give an example because I, I think it really demonstrates uh, the power of investing your tax advantage dollars in this stuff. Let's say you're in the drawdown phase of your retirement and you can basically, you can pull money out of your Roth account and in doing so, you know, um, it, whatever money you pull out of there, right, is basically, it, it, it's exactly what you get. There's, there's no extra tax implications. So if you have a million dollars in a Roth account and you grow your portfolio by 10% through a note and you pull out, you know, 10% times a million dollars is a hundred thousand dollars. And you pull that hundred thousand dollars out and just to live and spend and, you know, massage it or whatever people do with a hundred thousand dollars just sitting <laughs> around. You're going to, you're going to walk away with a hundred thousand dollars. You know, that's good you don't, you don't have to pay uncle Sam. No one's coming for you. That's your, that's all your money. Now, let's say you have a million dollars that's in a taxable investment account and you invest into a note. Well, you're going to get a 10% return, let's say. You're going to get a check for $100,000, but Uncle Sam saw it and he goes, okay, well, you owe federal taxes. And you know, uh, in Ohio, Mike DeWine saw it. And he's like, well, you owe the state some money there too. Everyone takes their cut. So my point being, after that piece of it, you might lose 30 to 40% of the egg that you had. So of that, of that hundred thousand dollars, as opposed to in a tax advantage account where you pull all that money out. So if you think about it from a tax advantage standpoint, you know, every dollar earned might be worth a dollar 60 of non-tax advantage accounts. And that's where the predictability and uh, of these investments really goes a long way, especially in the retirement phase as you're going through and just trying to draw down and live your life or even redeploying that capital later in life because it's it spins so much. Every dollar there goes so much further than a taxable dollar. 
but again, I could go on for days, but um, there's just a few points I'll, I'll summarize this piece with, and then we'll go on and get out of here. But, you know, there really is no right investor for hard money loans. Truth to be told, there's people that can do partials. Exactly. And there's people that like you and me who got started in this business because we just wanted to get involved in real estate. It wasn't an, it wasn't a means to an end per se. It was just a, it was just a way to get our foot in the foot in the door and, and start making connections in the business. And now it is our business. And, you know, um, I think a lot of people will find the benefits of, of that to be huge. Right. And we highlighted, yeah, we highlighted the three, the three people that really come to mind when we first think of this. Again, this is, we're not, this isn't by no means comprehensive. You know, if you have $10,000 and you want to go invest $5,000 in a partial, we saw that when we went to our RIA meeting just a couple months ago. You know, that is a possibility. You can put your money to work even if you don't have, you know, maybe you don't categorize yourself as a very high income earner. You don't come from a high net worth family. Um, and maybe you haven't been around long enough to actually have built up a really sizable Roth IRA or tax advantaged, you know, investment account. You can still get started. It's just a matter of going out and finding the right companies, the right people to do deals with. Yeah. And the, the big thing I always hear about, even people now who haven't even started investing for, um, themselves just in just buying equities or, you know, stocks and things of that nature. It's always like, well, I would need like a hundred thousand dollars to make a 10% growth meaningful, like an extra 10 grand a year. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't happen over time though. Like if you think, if you think, okay, eventually I'm going to invest a hundred thousand dollars, but you don't do it today. It'll never happen. Similar to this. You know, we started out just, or like I started out just thinking, you know, oh, I'll make some money here and there. But now it's like, okay, well now we have a hundred plus thousand dollars of company earnings that we're funneling back into our own deals. And it's like, that was a little over a year and a half ago. It's like this stuff adds up and we're only doing more deals and we're only growing. So it's, it's just a matter of time when you're doing the right things. So start investing today. Exactly. Exactly. And that's one of the, the, the points that you touched on earlier Mm -hmm. where the sustainability and the predictability of this business really truly does make it so that it's only a matter of time, right? It, It eliminates a lot of the other variables, which is. I mean, paralleled by not a lot of other things that I can think of. Agreed. One commonality that I think is worth saying, and it's, it's true of anyone who's making an investment. You have to have extra capital laying around. And you only do that when you operate your life well. Because truth to be told, your personal life from a financial perspective is no different than operating a business. Some people may think so. Some people may say so. But the, the wealthiest people that I know have always operated their personal life as if it was a business. And in that, in that situation, or with that in mind, you want to make sure that, you know, you're not deploying capital that you don't need back, right? You want to, you want to deploy capital that can be laid out and work for a very, very, very long period of time. And I'm 25 years old, Chris, you're 25 years old, right? You're 25. Sure. (laughs) Yep. But, uh, we're making sure that the money that we're putting out isn't stuff that we have to touch for decades because that's, that's the kind of wealth we're trying to build here. And that's, in a lot of ways, that's what it takes. So that means you make sure that you have an emergency fund in place, um, that this alternative investment is part of your portfolio, not your entire portfolio. Yeah. Um, 
and that, you know, you're not skipping important aspects in life. Like, Oh, I'm, I don't have insurance on very important aspects of your life, like your car or something like that to just go ahead and funnel money away to this thing because you'll get caught. And then that money that you've been trying to grow and compound, you'll have to put it right back into the things that you weren't taking care of in the first place. So don't fool yourself, put yourself in the right position, have extra money to deploy and start building wealth really, really quickly. Right. Like right now. Yeah. Just to clarify, this is a great point. So just to clarify, when I bring up the example of, and I say, and if you have $10,000 and you want to get started, you can, you want to invest $5,000. I mean, you have all of your emergency funds taken care of. You have everything in your life covered. And all of a sudden, now you have $10,000 that you want to invest. What I mean by that is, okay, now you can take your $10,000 that you're going to invest somewhere and invest $5,000 of it in a partial if you want to get started. So that's a really good clarification there. Because we're not investment professionals. We're not, you know, this is not legal or accounting advice. You know, this is just uh, our opinion. Big time. Yeah. I mean, Chris, you and I have both have read The Millionaire Next Door. I can't remember how many passive, not passive, but how many income streams they talk about millionaires having. And unfortunately, in this day and age, like being a millionaire, it's it's a good thing, but it's honestly not enough. Um, it's not going to be enough for when we have to retire, which is wild. Yeah. So, but my whole point there is, you know, millionaires, at least at the time of their writing, which was, I think sometime like in the seventies or the eighties, maybe, um, their, their first edition of the book, these people had, you know, multiple income streams and that this is supposed to be one of them. That's, that's what this is. You might have some stocks, you might have your job, or you might have a small business you run. You might have some notes you invest in. You might have some bonds you, you carry. It's all part of the cake. And if you want to, if you want to bake a nice cake, you got to have more than one ingredient or else it's just going to, it's going to be just a bunch of flour <laughs> or a bunch of milk and it's not going to taste very good. So speaking from experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I personally covered all the, the, the aspects of this I wanted to cover today. I, I could always go on and go into more depth, but honestly, I think I'd be beating a dead horse at this point. So let's get out of here. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you all for, for joining on this podcast. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes where we continue to share our experiences and lessons as we build this private lending business. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, as always, we'd love to connect with you. So we'll leave our email and our phone number down below in the description. And if you're watching on YouTube, we'll respond to the comments as well. Thanks again for everything. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>